0: Alright, so I got a question for the room And you guys can just shout these out Who's the king of pop? It's Michael Jackson Alright, how about uh, Reggae Bob Marley Mon. Okay Uh, This one's gonna hurt a little bit But uh, who would you say is like the king uh, I guess there could be a queen also Whatever, of country Lil Nas X (laughs) No, alright, how about uh, Johnny Cash Johnny Cash, okay, cool I don't know anything I'm just going to I don't know anything about countries so I'm just going to accept that as as fact. Why is it that when we talk about hip hop as soon as you get a conversation about hip hop it becomes this thing where there's a billion goats. Does anybody know that? I mean I, I really want there to be one I, I have my theories that I'm not going to give out today. This is going to be a thought experiment over many many episodes. But I'd like for there to be a goat a king of hip hop that you go this is the hip hop per- person
1: uh i think i'm going to go with because it's it's regional you have your east coast your your down south atlanta region you have your miami base you have your uh west coast uh i think because those styles all came up in such a short time different uh production different rhyme schemes different slang um i think it's it's hard to find a unifier the same way reggae or country or rock and roll has a like a a specific sound you need you know guitar bass drums you need you know i mean it's guitar bass drums for most things uh (laughs) hip-hop you know you, you pretty much just need a table and a microphone well, yeah. okay.
0: Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan.
2: Yeah, I was I was basically going to say the same thing is that there's just so many different styles to it. Like you said, you know, New York rap is different from down south and West Coast is all it's all kind of different. So somebody in the South might look at Lil Wayne as a goat because that was so big there. Where in New York we're like, no, no, no way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that's i think that's probably the biggest thing
0: well i mean there's there's different territories in in other genres right like you have for example for a long time elvis was the king of rock or whatever um marvin gay is the there's billions of styles of soul but you you always look at marvin gay as the you know the guy uh james brown you know there's, there's people that are this is the if if you look at a genre, this is the person that defines that genre, regardless of like it's they they cut across these these things. And at this point, I, I'd i be willing to say that. Uh, a lot of artists transcend those styles, like you have people that like you have a ludicrous doing a song with New York rappers, West Coast rappers and so, I really think that we can we can kind of drill down and get down to, you know, a few a couple months ago there was this list of the top fifty, and for whatever reason some and, and there was a lot of, at least within the hip hop conversation there was some controversy because somebody had put Joe Budden as number three
2: <laughs>
0: on that list, yeah. and everybody I mean,
2: yeah, that that list was a little bit uh, out there. You could. So you you can say what
0: you want about um there are people that love joe budden there are people that don't uh that think he's overrated there's some people that think that he's the greatest thing that came out from his generation but number 3 of all time i think we can all agree that's laughable um you 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 know what i what it is is when when we were when the three of us were in in high school or you know just coming up period it was kind of well established that you had biggie and Tupac that was the definition of hip hop, but hip hop's kind of young, right? It's still yeah. you know it came out exactly. late late seventies, early eighties it was a it was in its infancy uh, I would say it's it was still kind of adolescent when Biggie and Tupac died, so now it's at a point where it's more mature, and we should be able to say. You know, drill down to who exemplifies this genre the best. Um, I know it's not Joe Budden, so I'm gonna disqualify Joe Budden right off the top.
2: Yeah, we (laughs) could we could cross him
0: off. Sorry, (laughs) Um, and and it's really more because uh, he was always the verse. Like he, if there was ever a verse, a, a slaughterhouse verse that I skipped, and there weren't a lot of them. It would usually be Joe Budden's verse, so that I think should disqualify him because he has a group of people that he rapped with, and he wasn't the best out of those four. Yeah,
1: at least hey, in my opinion.
2: Look, I, I like Joe Budden; he's a good rapper and everything, but he's just—he's not in that conversation at all. So,
1: no, he—he's not. I mean, like as a as a Budden fan slash apologist, uh, he's he's good at what he does. He's he's technically proficient, but you know is he does he get out of the the round of thirty two on the East Coast? Mm, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not when there's nine members of the Wu Tang Clan. So <laughs> so instead of I think something
0: that would be productive is instead of looking at specific people and getting territorial and saying like you know, I think Buster Rhymes is the best of all time. What? would define that like if you think about other genres you know bob marley comes to mind he has a signature voice he has a signature sound and when you think reggae you think bob marley what would define what what characteristics would you look for in somebody who's
2: a goat well Uh, i think i think you got to look at everything all together you can't just say that the guy who's the best lyricist automatically is the GOAT, or the guy who sold the most records automatically is the goat. You can't just narrow it down that much. It has to be a total package, which is what really makes it a hard conversation.
1: I think um part part of the issue is that you said that uh it was hip hop was still in its its adolescence when Biggie and Tupac died. Um I think the, the genre from there, I think the, I think at that point, the blood flow was cut off from the limb and eventually it just atrophied and withered. And we have what we have today without sort of going into, into that. Um, I think you would have to look at when was the art form at its peak and who was doing it the best as far as what makes a good hip hop artist. Um, You have to look at the ability to rhyme words, the ability to rhyme words in a compelling fashion, the ability to rhyme words in a compelling fashion that can also uh, form a narrative. And I think those are three really important pillars because you have people that were excellent at one of those, but maybe not all of them before it became, uh, you know, derivative and uh, reductive to a certain extent. And I'll say this hip hop is the only art form that routinely dismisses the accomplishments of its previous iterations while at the same time, constantly mining them for air quotes, new material.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm with that. You know, when you were saying that I was thinking like how many slick Rick's lines have made it into people's repertoire and then how many biggie lines, um, when uh when everybody was going at jay z and coming up with these compilations of biggie lines that were in his in his arsenal I didn't even you know I'm pretty well versed on Biggie no pun intended but I didn't even realize how much of his stuff was in there. I'm like wow and and I love Jay Z but I think you're right on that.
1: Yeah, I uh I mean even in in that particular case, because if you're if you're having any goat discom- discussion, conversation, uh, you at some point you're gonna come across Sean Carter and Christopher Wallace. Um, I think that the first person to uh pay homage or homage, depending on how fancy you wanna be, uh they get credit for being the one to bring up the reference, and then I think after that it's it's done. So when you have uh, you know, Slick Rick you know, Ricky, 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 Can't You See? Snoop Dogg on Lottie Dottie, which is a Slick Rick song in itself. Yeah. Um, you know, Doggy, 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 Can't You See? But then Biggie came out with Biggie, 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 Can't You See? So even even Christopher himself was not exempt from that. But Jay-Z, uh, when the Remy's in the system, Ugh. I didn't know <laughs> that that was a Biggie lyric at the time. I mean, like, I was a Biggie fan, um, but I, I totally missed it, because that's on an album cut. Uh, and, like a third verse or something, if I remember correctly, Uh, and Jay gets points for it, but I guess people that were, like Nas, uh, peers of Biggie are going, dude, no, we were all there. We were there with Chris, and you stole his line. This isn't like somebody that's coming out today referencing the reference that was referenced.
2: Yeah, Uh, I I think time, the time that passes, does matter in that, because like you said, when Biggie took the slick rick line how many years was that apart you know that's
1: probably pushing eight to ten years maybe i mean it was at ease i mean that came out the single came out in like late 96 very early 97 because obviously he was still alive when he did the, the hypnotized video right and that Slick rick song had to be between 86 and 88 maybe yeah and even then the, the when Snoop said it on uh, Lottie Dottie, it was just it wasn't repeated over and over again. Biggie made it into a chorus, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. hotline versus hot song uh, yeah. and all that. So there, there was still a, a point where you were able to do that. but it's you know it's, it's the same thing as the message being check yourself, being can't mm-hmm. nobody hold me down. There was right. a, a moment where it could be repurposed um, and still be and still create something new as part of a larger work. Um, And I think that's that's got to factor it in. Or do you go with somebody that, that isn't very referential? If we're talking about um, just uh, the ability to rhyme words, your, your top two contenders right away are uh, Eminem and Big Pun. You put Christopher Rios and Marshall Mathers and you tell them to rhyme words together, they're going to do it in a way that no one has ever been able to do at their level. But Eminem is also very
0: referential. Like he's used yeah. a lot of, you know, uh, when he was battling cannabis, he he did Children's Story. Hail, like he's done Hail Mary. Uh, I think he did a, almost a word for word rendition of Hit Him Up. Um, yeah,
2: it's I think that's just really a hip hop thing, man. Everybody does that. You know, it just depends on how you do it. That you you can tell the difference between somebody who's kind of just biting something, somebody who's paying homage, and just redoing something. You know, I think there's, it's easy to tell the difference most of the time. The,
0: um I guess a further thing would be, because hip-hop is so aggressive, I, I want to see... <sighs> I and as much as I love Biggie, I I would I would probably take points away for him never having responded to Pop properly.
1: That bugs me till this day. It's been twenty two years. Yeah.
0: And, and so it still bothers me. I wanna see not so much like you have your uh your Jay Z and Nas. I wanna see how you stack up against somebody when they wanna test your pen. Like what are your battles like?
1: Well, the the biggie and Tupac was never really about who is the better rapper. That was, was personal. Nas, yeah, Nas and Jay Z was you're trash. No, I'm not your trash. I will show you how trash you are by me composing a superior song. Aha, your your song is far inferior to my song. There was still a there was still a, a basis for that, um, and it, it, it was still about you know lyrics. And w- while we do rightfully so sound like a bunch of old guys. It it mattered at that point because it it was about who was who was good. If you can only rhyme hat with cat, eh, do you really have any talent? But if you can rhyme hat with cat and bat and fat and that, then it's like, oh wow, I can do this at a much higher level than you. It's evolution. Yeah. Uh-
0: and how clever can you be? How can you get the? Uh, you know, it is a an MC, so how can you get the crowd behind you? Mm-hmm. People are still time. debating Nas and Jay Z to this day, mm-hmm. and so you know, you you can make a case for either one having one outside of Nas ended up working in some way for Jay Z, <laughs>
1: um,
0: but like in the in that actual beef, they, I don't think there was a clear like this. Oh, he got him. You know, you can you can reference Ether, you can reference Super Ugly, you can. You everybody, they everybody got their shots in. Um, I guess on the on the battle front, there are some people like Busta Rhymes comes to mind as somebody who I don't think there's anybody that wants to call him out because what, there's a different bag that he gets
1: into. Yeah, there's a reason why nobody's called out, Busta.
0: There's, I mean, you a lot of people say, "Oh, Eminem killed Ja Rule," and but Ja Rule's career wasn't over until Busta jumped in and did that one verse.
1: Yeah, but Ja was, was dazed, and uh, it was it was very recently the, the anniversary of the Malice at the Palace. J- Busta Rhymes was Jermaine O'Neal running in and knocking out that one dude who was already kind of wobbly. But I'll posit this, and I was watching um, a, a special, and they were talking about Run DMC's Rockbox. And I'm like, there's there's an old uh, either, I don't know if it's a, as Donald Glover or as Childish Gambino, but he was talking about rappers and that old, you know, hat-cat rhyme and how nobody needed it or whatever. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of true because there was a lot of clap your hands, everybody, uh, rap back in the day. But when they were talking about Rockbox and you had DMC breaking down the lyrics, um, I couldn't wait to demonstrate all the super dope rhymes that I create. I'm the wizard of the word. That's what you heard. And anything less is quite absurd. It's simplistic, but listen to it. Mm-hmm. I'm great at what I do. The idea mm-hmm. that anyone is even better than me is ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. Exactly. And he did it without cursing. He did it without having to do this diggity, diggity flow. He just, he said it. And I think that that is, is part of it. Now, I'm not going to put DMC necessarily in the goat conversation, but... Sometimes it can just be simple and effective, and it doesn't necessarily need to be like this whole big, you know, genre moving thing in order to really leave a, uh, you know, to to the opposite of what I just did, say a lot with very few words. <laughs> um,
0: so how do you think about one thing that I, I think about is how do you come back from? The adversity of having like a bad song, a bad a bad verse, because uh, not every single track by somebody who's the best of all time is going to be, you know, f- not every single one of Floyd Mayweather's fights was a uh, was a Picasso. He had some bad nights. So how do you come back from that? Like people talk about, oh Jay Z, Eminem got you on Renegade. Yes. No. I. I think some people don't really. I mean, after Jay Z is one of those artists that you you hear a verse from him, and it'll take you three years before you're like, "Holy fuck, that's what he was saying." Yeah. But how do you come back from people saying that? Do you kind of shell up? Do you? Uh, do you come back stronger? I mean, do you come well, back with a black album?
2: Yeah, I think if you're if you're Jay Z, I mean. You just kind of shake it off and keep going. Do do the next, you know, whatever your
1: next project is. Come back stronger. That's it. It can be argued that part of that. I wouldn't put it past Sean Carter to do to do that purposefully. Volume two was just. Volume one was just okay. Volume two was way better. Volume three, just okay. Dynasty, from what I understand, Dynasty was also just okay. But then the Blueprint I, was I incredible. Um, blueprint two. I thought it was probably Jay-Z at his rhyming peak even though it was kind of all over the place so he comes back with the Black album. Takes he only took 2 years off. Uh Black album came out in 2003, uh Kingdom Come came out in 2006. So he he missed the 4th quarter 04 and 4th quarter 05 where he usually puts out albums and people acted like he hadn't been in the you know in the ring for 15 years. But you can hear him that he's he's lost his fastball in Kingdom Come, just some of the rhymes that he chose. Whether he was trying to appeal to a younger audience or to try to make looking like getting older, being cool uh, with you know thirties new twenty songs like that. But then the very next year, he came out with American Gangster, which has him conceptually really good. His his production choice, his choruses, which were especially weak on Kingdom Come, um, and just his overall technical proficiency. It can be seen that he will lower the bar just to raise it so he's got something to compare, you know, to to compare against.
2: Well, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, too, because I I would say there's a good chance that you can say the Black Album is Jay-Z's best album. You know, it's definitely debatable, but it's it's easily one of his probably top three albums. Then he took off that time and came with Kingdom Come, which is arguably his worst album. Mm hmm you know and then he came back with American Gangster which coincided with the movie which was back to being a pretty good album and uh i forget what was after so it American was American Gangster album
1: it was American Gangster and then it was Blueprint 3 Right, with, Blueprint Three, which, 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 was which was good, which was which a is, good pop album. Yeah, it's a good yeah. pop album. Here, here right. are my, here's Jay Z and my friends. I'm with this guy named Jake Cole and this guy named Kid Cudi, Kid Cudi, and then this guy named Drake, just to show that he could still do that. He was still hanging. <laughs> yeah, one of the best songs on Blueprint Three. I mean, like you had Kanye Stole, uh, Run This Town, um, Death of Autotune I really enjoyed, but one of the one of if yes. not maybe the best song on the album was a a, a Jeezy track, As Good As It Gets. And he G- and geezy ended up killing that, and then after that he he did magna Carta Holy Grail, which was like, eh, tops out it's just okay." but then he came back with four forty four after lemonade after his whole public his his married life was all <coughs> over the place, and he it's a completely different conversational style vulnerability talking about things like. It's 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 used so much that it's become a cliche. But you know the chestnut checkers thing, I think applies. And when you're talking about the career of Jay Z, like let's take away like the deep cuts, like with you know, uh, rhyming with original flavor and Hawaiian Sophie and all that, and just go from reasonable doubt forward twenty years. I don't, I didn't pay attention to the, the project he had with Beyonce past the one single that they came out with. Me either. Yeah. So I mean, you know, a grain of salt, uh, cheerfully applied, but. You've seen a guy that's that's worked in several different genres, seemingly catching them at just the right moment. So maybe Jay never he he caught him at just the right moment, and because he did it at such a level, sped up soul samples became popular. Um, you know because of the work on the, on the blueprint and the Pharrell Neptunes tracks, and they're all pretty popular. But Jay makes it a thing like you know it's all another cliche, Jay Z type beat, you know <laughs> Neptunes type beat came from that um so take jay-z and
0: I, I i love how you broke that down like good bad good bad right and flip it and you have somebody like eminem whose first three albums were downright goddamn classics and mm. then had a bunch of albums that like even though the technical proficiency was there and he still like you say rhyming words you know the 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 speed was definitely off the slider. There was, there was a lot of yeah. no, no movement to the curveball. It was
1: like, I okay. Th- I have a theory on that. Would you okay. like to hear my theory? Give it to me. So I'm, I'm placing blame for this squarely on the shoulders of Curtis Jackson, and I'll tell you why. Um, Eminem, the crazy white boy shtick. He, a lot of what he did was aggressive counterculture. I don't like boy bands. I don't like these other underground rappers that people that are interested in me because they know I'm an underground rapper. I don't like any of that stuff. It's the aftermath B formula. Um, 50 Cent comes along and he got shot nine times, legitimately shot nine times. He's about that life. He's that dangerous, rebellious, um, you know, kind of element that the mainstream media loves. Here's the scary black man. Uh, who's been shot, and now I'm going to embody that lifestyle because I view myself as this underdog who maybe I haven't been shot nine times, but man, my girlfriend was mean to me, or my parents don't get me. And he became the model for rebellion. It was no longer the sarcastic white boy making chainsaw noises. I think after uh, that whole summer of 03 (laughs) with the Jaw Rule beef and Benzino and all that stuff, oh, poor Ray Ray, Um, (laughs) uh, I think that M was like, well, I can't be dangerous anymore. I guess I have to lean into the humor. Plus, you know, his his substance abuse issues and all that stuff, I'm sure, factored into it as well. But I think he couldn't be the dangerous, aggressive type because, like, you're you're making chainsaw noises and you're talking about killing your wife. Whatever, dude. We've heard that for three albums. This guy over here got shot nine times. And I feel like he didn't know what to do. So I feel like he had to go deeper into his mind and his creativity. But what we got were a lot of accents and a lot of stuff that just plain didn't work. I think what part of it is also um, when you when you
0: come out with projects. When sometimes when you when you Icarus yourself, you get way too big too fast. Mm-hmm. The people around you are are not going to tell you, "Yo, you're
1: whack." this shit you're doing sucks yeah. plus everybody loved him he yeah. came in guns blazing on the m&m show with songs like white america mm-hmm. he was ready for it he was ready for the backlash after what happened with marshall mathers lp but in that time he became funny he became like kind of punchliney he became somebody that went oh there's marshall he says the craziest things
0: it's hard to be it's hard to changed. stay angsty with a hundred million dollars in the bank yeah, yeah. and when he started doing the accents i'm pretty sure and he even says that you know i he didn't realize how often he did it but that's the job of his crew that's the Mm -hmm. job of his producers that's the job of the people that are that are around him to say like yo didn't you just do that in this other song and the song before that are we you know that 11 out of 12 tracks on this album have some weird accent shit yeah and I don't think
1: anybody did that. So you've had <coughs> multiple albums. There was no one in the studio going, "Did you just talk about Hillary Duff?" <laughs> what is? Th- <laughs> so what? You- I know you like crank anchors, but seriously, that's what we're doing now. <laughs>
0: so you got encore with the with the uh, weird ass like that. Uh, the the um, what was the what was the name that- of his greatest hits album?
1: Oh, uh, Curtain Call. Curtain Call, yeah.
0: where he had fat oh. and nobody told him. Hey, no, don't don't do that. Um, <laughs> then relapse. Then he ha- then he has his pop album with recovery, which people loved. I mean, it, didn't it want
1: didn't it win a Grammy? Uh, I don't know if it won a Grammy, but he had he had relapse, which whatever. Then he does the Beamers, Benz, and Bentley over freestyle. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Actually, no. Before that, what really brought him back to real relevant uh, relevance and prominence was his verse on forever. Yeah. Where they asked mm-hmm. where someone flat out asked him, "Hey, am who had the second best verse on forever?" <laughs> because he destroys it and it was such a powerful comeback. I I tuned in for Kanye. I thought it was interesting that um I had no use for Drake or Lil Wayne. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Eminem was on the song. I almost thought it was beneath him as popular as those three were. This is Eminem we're talking about. And he steals the entire song from him. It's just it's just filler until you get to here we go. Packing stadium and Shady Spitz's flow. Nuts they go. And it wasn't like he was
0: doing that super fast. I mean, a it lot of this, the beat. Yeah, a lot of the stuff he did on that on that verse was just I'm just gonna throw aggressive stuff out there and, and it's technically good, but it's not overly done. Um and then for me, the Marshall Mathers LP two is probably I mean, that that was that's where I think Eminem was like, okay. You guys still want to talk shit about me. I'm going to hit you with like I'm just showing off now. Yeah. There's some stuff on The Marshall Mathers LP2 that is is if I wanted to teach a class on how to rap technically, that's
1: the album I would pull out. Yeah. The other thing is though, and they mentioned this, they they I guess maybe it was around Relapse or between Relapse and Recovery or early in the Recovery sort of press cycle, how um that Eminem, surprise, he's prone to addiction. And that after Proof died, he got super into running. That M like gained a bunch of weight and then he just started running like crazy. And before he knew it, he was doing like multiple miles a day and like it was, it became a compulsion to him. And I kind of took that like the way he leaned into the accents. Like, I wonder if his addictive personality comes into play because then every song was fast rap. Even like like this like uh fast lane with Royce was, yeah. was that fast rap. There wasn't a lot of fast rap, if any, on um recovery, but Marshall Mathers L P two, there was just a ton of that. I mean Rap God was just all Fram Ding Dong fast rap. Yeah. <laughs> so and I mean I, after that, I mean I didn't check out you know, was it Revival? Revival Revival, and Revival then,
0: slept on. A lot of people hate on Revival. Revival has a lot of really great gems in it. it. It to me, it's a it's a sleeper. Is it his best album? No, not by a long shot.
1: But if we're talking, let's <laughs> let's say this. Let's say there's a th- every rapper would probably have a three album peak, you know. And and I'm doing this specifically for Biggie so that we can count li- Ready to Die or sorry Life After Death as two albums. Okay. So if you take if you if you say you got to have a three album arc to be considered the goat. After that anything else before or after. You know, so I mean no one's gonna put the Slim Shady I mean uh, Infinite in there. But you put Slim Shady L P, Marshall Mathers L P, and that's definitely and then the, peak. the M show. That's that's the peak. For for Jay, let's probably go blueprint one, blueprint two, and then black album one you know, one, two and three. Um I imagine for I mean, Tupac didn't put out that many albums. I think it was Before he died. Yeah, before he died. Uh, so i I think you would have to take that at least that period of time and the crazy part is nowadays a three album mark is three years or four years Drake's released three albums in the time that we've been recording this all surprise releases <laughs> um but back in the day like three albums could cover a span of three or four years you know I mean Marshall Mather's LP was 2000 some shady LP was what late 98 and then 2002 was uh M show so that's five years or four years and then and, yeah. and three albums with that level of same kind of with
0: like uh, Ready to Die was 94 yep Life After Death was three years later yeah it was 97 and in between he had you know Big and, he had all those verses you know that actually brings up a great point because in that era because it took so long be- between releases you had to pack your album with enough stuff to get me talking about you for three years mhm well, so, Wu-Tang did that.
1: You had the Wu come out with 36 Chambers in 93. Then Wu-Tang Forever doesn't come out until 97. And then I think, Christ, when did the W come out? 2000, maybe? Early 2001? Yeah. And then Iron Flag was the end of 2001. So they they hit two, went within had to be within a year. I'm going to look that up. That's going to bother me. Yeah. So yeah. I like well, the idea the of a three-album arc.
2: DMX had two albums in the same year, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and they both went number one. Famously, yeah, yeah.
0: And DMX is another one that, famously, unless you're really looking for clout, you're not gonna call him out.
1: No, no, no. DMX Even might, now, he might
2: actually he might actually come and see you. That's why
1: you have to call him out. <laughs> so for Woo, um, the W came out November of two thousand. And Iron Flag was December of two thousand one, so just over a year, but two albums in, you know, in, in that amount of time. DMX is somebody that doesn't get brought up as often as he should. Sorry for all the East Coast bias, guys. Um, <laughs> but X, like he, his fall off was so sudden. Because he had uh, his first album, It's Dark and Hell's Hot. Then he had Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Mm-hmm. And then he had, and then there was X. Both classics. Yeah. And then he had, in there, and then there was X. Um, and then he had, oh, uh, Year of the Dog, maybe? Downhill. And then it just sort of fell off. Right. Out of Grant nowhere. Champ. Oh, was it Grant? Yeah. And then Grant Champ, I think it was next. Yeah, And it was just like – and, you know, part of it was – and we would be remiss to not talk about the way some of these things happen because there's pre-9-11 rap and then there's post-9-11 rap. I think um, Eminem coming back and doing his thing with the Marshall Mathers LP eight months after 9-11 happened, we were like, eh, you know, we we like you. We're okay with you doing what you're doing because people just wanted something – you know, they weren't taking things that seriously. That's how a guy like Ja Rule can come out. And be as huge as he was in 2001, 2002. It's ridiculous to pretend he wasn't. Um, So there's an appetite for that. So a lot of the more aggressive content from like a DMX got waylaid by Puffy releasing 19 different versions of I Need a Girl. Which full disclosure, I loved all of them. But um, that's why a lot of that happened. You had a guy like Fabulous come along. And for a while we had a real, um, like a lot of like clubby music and Need a Girl music and kind of stuff. Uh, up until 50 Cent came along, and we got more of the aggressive content. We got 50 Cent. We got a lot of the crunk music, which... But to to keep it a buck, like,
0: 50s... If you go back and listen to 50s debut album, there's a lot of... And, and it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's Dre, but there's a lot of really catchy... Oh, almost absolutely. Almost Yeah, Like, he's saying things, but it's still kind of like... I could bop my head to this. Yeah. Like, and not aggressively. Like, this is... It was
1: aggressive in a way
0: that we... I remember listening to that on the way to fucking Six Flags, like, (laughs) with non... I don't want to get racist, but like, non-hip-hop people in the car.
1: (laughs) And they were all, you know, singing 21 questions.
0: But yeah, they they didn't feel like something bad was going to happen to them. That's, that's to me a mark. Like, if you listen to like Tupac's can't see me. You're not listening to that track around people that don't listen to hip hop without them looking over his their shoulder. Like, where am I right now?
1: Yeah. So another uh, another three album run that you probably had to take in, in, into consideration. And uh, damn shame what happened to him after 2012. Not sure. So don't update me. You had Kanye's run with the college dropout, late registration, and then graduation from spanning 2004 to 2007 at a time where he put together three completely different projects um, with different collaborators, different styles of production, different concepts, but all really at a high level. And while no one – and I'm diehard Kanye fan or was for a long time – Um, no one's ever going to put him on the goat list as far as his rhyming acumen, but he has a lot of charisma and a lot of charm and a a good enough sense of humor to make his rhymes really compelling. But that's another three album arc that would need to be, you know, considered for who and what he does. So a question that I will pose is how strongly should influence count when you're, when you're having the, the greatest of all time debate? Is it, is it good that people wanted to be like you? Is it bad that people were able to be like you? Hmm. How if your success was that replicable or that easily consumed, was it that you were the one that brought it to us or you were just the one that brought it to us? yeah,
0: like were you in the right place at the right time exactly and you just happened to catch fire um there's also this thing about like the technical acumen I almost put there there are some rappers out there i'll I'll say like tech nine crooked eye whose technical skill is off the charts. A lot of rappers do not do songs. A lot of rappers that are your favorite rapper will not do a song with Tech 9 because they feel they'll, they'll get embarrassed and that's a that's an actual thing. But you're not going to have unfortunately Tech 9 in that conversation because on one end you have the technical acumen, the the ability to put together verses that I you know rhymes that when when rappers listen to them they're like why didn't I think of that? But then on the other end, you have the consumability where it's like, hey, this I can recite this verse myself and it's catchy. And it's almost like you have to hit on both angles. Like you listen to Biggie. Um, Biggie's a great example of that because you listen to Biggie tracks and he's hitting you with lines that you're like, wow. But you can, you can recite it yourself. So it's like, hey, I could have written yeah. this. I wouldn't have thought of it, but
2: I could have probably written this. Yeah, it's not super complex, but it's just, it it has multiple meanings, so it just hits you sometimes years later, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's just ridiculous, you know? But, like you said, it's, on the surface, it's very simple. Whereas, when you take some of the newer stuff that Eminem has done, or even, like, fast, anybody, fast rhymers like Twista, Bone Thugs, type like that, you can't, sometimes you can't even understand it, you know? You don't catch everything at all.
0: Yeah, and... So, it's one thing to have music that I can enjoy. I can just listen to in the car with a bunch of people. And I don't, you know, I'm glad you brought up Eminem's newer stuff because, like, when if a new Eminem song comes out, I can't just play it in the background. I have to bring out a notebook, pull up Genius.
1: <laughs> it's not a <laughs> passive, it's not a passive. Uh, be experience. in a room
0: by myself, put soundproofing yeah, okay. up. Don't interrupt me because <laughs> I might miss a word and then the whole verse. <laughs> I got to listen to it like three more times today. Yeah. And so there's a there's a good to that because it's like, okay, great, I could tell you worked on it, but there's also it also takes away a little bit because mm-hmm. um I'll give you know what a great example of it would be is where he took us like people say say he took his foot off the gas uh for kill shot, but that track I remember listening to it the first time and when that Tupac line came out, I like my brain melted. Whereas you listen to all of Kamikaze and there's stuff in there that you're like, I know this is good, but I'm not sure why. Mm. And yeah. I got to listen to it again. So you're almost robbed of that instant like gratification of endorphins flooding your brain. Like, did he just say? He didn't just say what I think he did, did he? <laughs> and so that's another thing to put in, to take into account is how, how technical do we want rappers to be really? And, and if you look at other genres like... There is really good technical reggae out there. Mm. But I'm not gonna, you know, you you're not gonna play it in, in and have a whole bunch of
1: people going, Oh yeah, this is good reggae. You know There there's a there's a I think what you're getting at is is digestibility. You have to be able to, you know, if you you know, if uh, if ninety-five percent of the people are allergic to this dish that you've created like, yeah, there's 5% out there that's going to be like, oh, you mean you can't have the dangerous part of the blowfish for sushi? Oh. You know, you, you, need, to, you need to be able to consume it. And you don't want to necessarily go to the lowest common denominator. But <clears throat> at some point, you have to accept the fact that your talent and your skill was meaningful and enjoyed by a certain number of people. And here's an example that I'll give you. A guy like Kendrick Lamar is an incredible rapper. He hasn't made one song that I've actually enjoyed and there's a difference there, because he can rap his ass off, but I have yet to hear one complete song where I go beat, chorus, concept, flow, lyrics. Mm-hmm. I would say DNA is the only one. I mean, like... I, For me. Yeah, I mean, like, but still, I've, and he gets tons of acclaim. A guy like J. Cole. J. Cole, there's a warning on his labels, and it's not explicit lyrics. It's, do not operate heavy machinery while listening to this album. Because he's technically very good, but he's only got one kind of speed. So do you you take that into consideration as well? Where it's like you're really good at just this one part of it, but you can't put it all together. And hip-hop, the other thing that's really important, and I'm definitely guilty of this, is if you don't have the right production around somebody, forget it. People like to make, you know, there's the, 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 the distracted boyfriend meme where there's the guy in the middle holding hands with the girl on the right, but staring at the girl behind him. And Nas is Mm -hmm. the guy, the girl he's holding hands with is beats by like DJ Premier and, you know, they'll just plays and the like, and then the girl walking away is lousy producers. And that's a huge part of someone's legacy is, is what you're rapping over compelling enough to keep me interested or is it sonically disruptive? And that's a big part of it too, because it's all about your, your presentation and it shouldn't be. You should be able to serve someone a five star meal on a on a paper plate, but I you think, can't necessarily do that in, I, think in, it, in, I, think in, I think it and I think it is relevant because
0: you you can I mean if you can write your ass off but you can't recognize a good beat, I think that's important. I think that's important to note. Um the the you, you look at great partnerships, Gangstar, uh Diddy doing beats for uh for Biggie, anybody that did beats for Tupac on All Eyes on Me. Uh there's a it, there's a completeness to a thought that you're saying, I want this particular sound. And you have to be able to walk into a room and say, I don't care who the producer is, if it's not the sound I want, I'm gonna just walk out.
2: Because yeah, there's a I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, there's. I was going to say there's a difference between good rapping and good songs and good music. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and Nas was a, a pretty good reference because I kind of feel the same way that he's a really, really good rapper, one of the best. But he hasn't made that many good songs that, or that you just listen to as just songs. And Eminem kind of suffers from that, too, in a way, because a lot of his stuff is very technical lyrics and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of stuff you wouldn't. Play around, you know, and I'll just add him at, to
0: the. You know, we already said Busta. We said Dmx. We'll add Eminem to the list of people you you probably shouldn't be calling
1: out. No, and then oh uh, yeah, of course, yeah, and then piggybacking off, piggybacking, piggy pigbacking, piggying off back, piggybacking off of Brian's <laughs> point. You have a guy who's we that we just mentioned a few minutes ago, whose career was completely made off the fact that he was that he had at the height of his powers, Dr. Dre, his fifty. If you go back and listen to Get Rich or Die Trying, it's it's so it's so it's it's buoyed by the production to such a ridiculous degree that I if you're looking for lyrics that's not necessarily an album that you go to. Um he still had his fastball then. You can tell that he still was pretty much just rapping because any post Get Rich project and and mm. and Jeff, like you and I both have written songs, we've recorded songs can you hear him reading off the paper as clearly as I can? <laughs> yeah. Brian, can you hear that as well? Because I feel like that was a huge thing for his post-Get Rich production, is that yeah. it sounds like he's like, well, I got to do all these meetings with G-Unit clothing and vitamin water uh, and yeah. and kicking people out of G-Unit. I guess I can write <laughs> these lyrics down or and read them off. It sounds like he was doing three takes and then he was going to go.
2: It, yeah, that was never, really jarring. I never thought of it that way, but you're right, absolutely, because... There's a definite difference in the sound after Get Rich. And Get Rich is one of my favorite albums ever, you know. But it's, yeah, he he definitely fell way off even by the next
1: album. I mean, like songs like If I Can't, oof. He's like he's not saying much, but he's really rapping his ass off there. Yeah. And that and that carries a lot of it. So even though he's not necessarily he's conceptually true to his songs, um, which is good. Uh, but you you can hear the passion there. And I feel like that's that's missing from other projects where it was more so about the brand and the image than mm-hmm. than than the music. What? But he was, you know, you you I I feel like if you put anybody, I think if you put, you know, Joe Budden in that "Blessed by Eminem and Dr. Dre" spot, it's gonna, you know, it's it's gonna pay off at that point in time.
0: If you listen to the uh, the last Ed Sheeran album, the where he had all the duets and guest spots. There's a track on there with 50 and Eminem, and if you ever want to hear a mailed in, <laughs> like, like the definition of, I did this in the closet of my mansion because <laughs> I was bored and Ed Sheeran wanted me to do a track for
1: him. The check cleared. <clears throat> I
0: mean, yeah. I didn't like Eminem's verse on there. I didn't like 50's verse... Like, if you if you really listen to 50s verse and look at the lyrics to what he's saying, he sounds old. Like, he's it's almost like he's using today slang, which I hate, and just throwing it in there. Like, I think he says super lit at some point for some reason. And, like, there's one run in there where he just throws a bunch of them in there, and it's like, oh. Oh, like no, thanks it's the first time I've heard fifty and thought my grandpa's rapping <laughs> <laughs> Like he's just throwing things and for no reason yeah the coolness yeah. is gone and so like the timelessness i think is also a big like you can biggie another good example for that is you can listen to biggie songs to if i if if you found somebody who's into and oh, let okay. me just list off <clears throat> fuck mumble rap. So no mumble rapper is going to be even considered for this.
1: And GameStop. F- fuck GameStop.
0: <clears throat> um, let me see. Uh, rappers that are just pop rappers. So sorry, uh, 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 CeeLo. Uh, C- L-? yeah, sure. Uh, sure. Yeah, no, none of that. But if you get to somebody who just listens to today rap and you play a Biggie song and they've never heard of Biggie they might tell you who's when is this coming out this is
1: this is the shit and it's 20 mm-hmm. something years old yeah it doesn't it
2: doesn't sound dated
1: no it it i was just going to say it doesn't at all you could put on like notorious thugs you can put on um uh what's beef like the production it's got different elements like it's east coast but it's not so east coast and it captures such a hyper specific moment in time we're talking late 96 through late 98 for that particular hi-hat and sample kind of sounds so that boom it, bap era yeah it didn't it didn't necessarily achieve that level of of proliferation
0: i would say that's the same for uh when disaster strikes i would say that's the same for the 3 album kanye those are those are to me are going to be uh timeless no matter what he did after that
1: um, the ironic part is if you don't sound like production has sounded for the last God, I'd say almost nine or ten years where that real first it started with like the Lex Lugers of the world, that heavy dramatic synthy stuff, and then yeah. it moved to the you know the Metro boomin stuff to every song virtually sounding the same. It's all very, very southern influenced, but it's like I this is gonna sound like super old man thing. I can't tell them apart. Like I can't tell which which you know if it was if they didn't all start the same way, kind of a sleepy mumbled auto-tune intro before the beat comes in and then they do the rest of their thing. Like I wouldn't know it was a different song because there's no variation in the music.
0: If you want to see a good example of that, go on YouTube or or any video sharing site where you see producers give you the the behind the scenes of how they came up with a beat, mm-hmm. and if you do it for like somebody like DJ Premier, or I'll go further back like Jazzy Jeff, you'll see I composed this from whole cloth, or I put together like I DJ I scratch this out myself. Where now you see producers that go, oh, to come up with that track that you like, I went to uh, this website and I pulled out this sample of a guitar that I kind of like, and I. Threw effects on it until it doesn't sound like it anymore, and then I threw this drum that I used for this last track, and I put it together, and that's 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 your beat.
1: Yeah, it took me six minutes.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> so and and they'll actually recreate it in front of you, like I just
1: did this and this and this, and there you go, and you're like, oh, yeah, loop it for you know, loop loop it for 125 seconds, and then and there you go, and you know, and and the thing is, is I was having a conversation last night about. Um, I swear this is relevant. Uh, like uh, TV shows that overextend their welcome, um, characters that start out very based in reality and then they they go out on a limb and then another limb and then another and then another. Jumping the shark. And if you well, not so much even jumping the shark, but um, you can see the cliff that they were on and where they are now. And in this audio-only medium, you if you want to take your hand out, hold it flat on your left side, uh, about eh, chin level. And take your right hand and put it all the way up above your head. That's a pretty wide chasm. But each one of those steps was taken, and you can kind of trace it, but you see how far away you are. The air quotes rap of today isn't necessarily rap or hip-hop, but it's popular, and it's being emulated, and that's where sort of we are where we are. So I don't think you can even count a lot of what's happening in terms of mainstream music as as hip-hop today but you dress a certain way and all of a sudden face tattoos are a hip-hop thing when yeah. no just because little wayne wanted to tattoo his face like that's cool little wayne also drinks cough syrup recreationally <laughs> all purpose yeah
2: yeah i've been saying something like that a lot is like that the hip-hop we have now isn't it's like a whole new genre almost yeah like precisely. how yeah, like how especially with rock. Rock has, you know, how many different subgenres, heavy metal, mm-hmm. alternative, blah blah blah, and so forth. And I think th- hip hop needs to be broken down more more firmly into different genres like that.
1: Yeah. And the and the and the issue is is that hip hop as soon as something comes out, it's cannibalized. Ariana Grande was singing songs with the late Mac Miller rapping, uh, and now she's doing these weird trap-esque beats. As soon as hip hop yeah. creates something, the pop world will cannibalize it, and then it becomes something right. poppy. You want to find a good rap beat nowadays, listen to a pop artist. Uh, you know, Taylor <laughs> Swift had some good beats, which sounds ridiculous, yeah. but it's true. And I and think they, hip-hop has to keep going in these crazy directions because it's, it's got to appear young. And this is Conspiracy Corner here. It has to continue to be the music of revolution and rebellion because yeah. uh, a certain segment of society will always embrace... Uh, minority culture in order to rebel, and that's why it keeps getting served up the way it has. There's a reason why uh, NWA and Public Enemy are revered differently, because Public Enemy scared the man. NWA scared parents, and scaring your parents is rebellion, it is identity, it is um a part of the of the growth experience and that's why i feel like hip-hop gets is discarded as the way it is because no one wants to rebel by embracing a 45 year old father jay-z turns 50 this year no one yeah no one cares (laughs) about sean carter in that aspect but lil face tattoo uh you know of the supreme gang or whatever they do now um They, you know, like that's still face tattoos are still shocking. So when somebody is just recycling all these, you know, uh, little peep lyrics, um, you know, that's that's part of it. You're implying
0: that. Well, by saying recycle, you're implying that there was something to cycle.
1: Right. This is this is true. (laughs) I'm going to go in a completely different direction. I just want to throw out somebody that, that sort of hit me the other day. I was listening to the original Welcome to Atlanta. Um, oh. And I think we need to take at least just a, a minute or two to talk about how really good Ludacris was. Because in the GOAT debate, switching it back, you know, as we, as we are done yelling at clouds, uh, Luda was incredible. And I thought that, you know, his run, like uh, his, his Made You Look remix verse, uh, his verse on um, You Don't Have to Call. But when I listened to the Welcome to Atlanta verse, I've heard the remix so many times that I never went back to listen to the ludicrous version. <laughs> and JD Trained <laughs> Dupree, God bless him, the Shang Tsung of producing a of production. He's just, <laughs> he's just. That's not mine. Shouts to Mecca from Two Dope Boys. That was his. Um, he, he Luda is, he's incredible. Like if you haven't listened to the verse in a while, you you, you really should. And I, it's made me want to go back and revisit some of his earlier catalog. And it's almost unfair how good he is because he had an ear for production he had a magnificent voice cultivated him from when he was Chris level on the radio um conceptually he was good even if it was just something as simple as you know get out my business you know uh, roll out move pitch oh uh, yeah yeah exactly move pitch um <laughs> But, like, he was so lyrically talented. And the South, despite, you know, the, the killer mics and outcasts of the world, is, is maligned as not being lyrical. Yeah. Sometimes for really good reason. But then you've got a guy like Ludacris who, to get respect, you had to be able to rhyme well. Because we were off that Cat, Hat, Bat, Fat rap a long time ago. So just I just needed to pour out one time something for, for Ludacris because he's a lot more than just Tej Parker. Even though I love Tej Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I have I have respect for Luda as a guy from the south because he doesn't he doesn't sound so much like a southern rapper because, like you said, he was very good lyrically. It was it was just different. It wasn't he didn't fit in with like Little Ween, for example.
1: No, he didn't fit in with who William.
2: had yeah yeah who had that extreme south twang and everything where Luda didn't really
1: have that. You could you could understand what he's saying. I listen to a guy like Ti, and I don't know what the hell he's saying. And there was a time when I was maybe more tuned in and heard more Ti, but if you listen to a Ti song now, you're like, "What happened to the rest of his words? Does he know that they're <laughs> they just sort of drop after like you know whatever the last syllable was? He just completely <laughs> leaves it off." I, it, yeah. I, and I, I, at some point, I was you know really in tune with that, and now if I listen to like "Bring Him Out" or something, I'm like, I don't know what he's saying. See, but that's another style thing because. T.I. does that um,
0: similar to how uh, Joe Budden does the opposite thing. Like, he'll take the last syllable and elongate it. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things is, like, if you you do, like, if I take an East Coast rapper and I put him on a song with T.I., can he adapt that style, Mm -hmm. right? If you take a a Southern rapper and you're putting them out in the West, can they... Can they do some G funk? Can they can they sound good on there? What, how can you adapt your your stuff now? If Ti Ti's done songs with Eminem, Ti's T. done songs with um, a few people in outside of his genre, and he sounded normal.
1: Like it's just, I guess his style is the way it is. Well, where where Tip gets credit, where Clifford gets credit, is. Um you you look at something like Swagger Like Us, and he's on a track with Jay-Z, Kanye, Lil Wayne, and he arguably steals the show with mm-hmm. with his verse. Like you, you could tell he was probably the last one to record his verse when he saw what he needed to do. But he's writing a very complicated beat. Those drums are not easy to rhyme over. Yeah. And he really does kill it, and I can actually understand what he's saying. But here's another one. Let's take a guy like Snoop. Who's charismatic, good beat preference doesn't have a three album mark because he only needed one. He only needed Doggy Style to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, how how many? If we're if we're assigning points to something, uh, how many points would he get? Let's say on, you know, for someone who I mean, it's it's been said, it's been reported. The DOC wrote so many of his rhymes on Doggy Style. So there's a lot of there's a lot of charisma there. He's like a very talented, like Diane Warren is a very popular um, songwriter. She wrote like uh, really powerful ballads and everything. So she's she's not singing it; she wrote it. But it takes it takes an artist of a certain caliber to sing a Diane Warren song. Snoop, not everybody can deliver a song like him. Like you know,
0: Snoop is kind of the opposite of adapting to the style. He can go to the East Coast and make like he's like no this is mine now and and yeah. make you do a snoop style song like you're going to do a snoop song when you're when you're yeah, when you have yeah. Them he featured.
2: he commands the style just be just because of his voice and everything like he's so unique that he just commands you will have the most lyrical
0: dude it. doing the shizzles and whizzles with him <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, yeah and that's 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 what they do you because you have to hang with snoop
2: and, and Snoop was never great lyrically, but he was just—just just his delivery was so good that was what he came down to. Yeah, yeah.
1: He was—he was smart in that, and I keep coming back to concepts because I feel that's important. Because you, Snoop, executed the concepts really impressively, even if the concept—even it was not necessarily high concept. Hey, nephew. On this song, I'm going to rap about weed, cousin. Okay. But he's going <laughs> to rap about weed for 16 bars uh, for and then two choruses. And he's going to do the entire – he's going to do it. It's not going to be like, now I'm talking about weed, but now I'm talking about bitches. No, he, he's got a he, song he, for he, bitches. <laughs> well, and it's 25 years later and he's still doing it. And he's, yeah, <laughs> he's, still, yeah. he's still rapping about weed. And he did it. <laughs> but then you've got a guy like Redman who is – He's technically proficient. He can ride a beat, but what Punch the hell? Lines for days. What is he saying? Like, I I, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, Method Man is incredible. What is he saying?
0: Yeah, if you listen yeah. to the Rockwilder, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's two and a half minutes of wondrous lyrics. But nobody can <laughs> that, tell you what a
1: Rockwilder yeah. is.
2: Yeah, it, was, yeah it goes. It goes nowhere, though. <laughs> it yeah. goes nowhere, but it's incredible,
1: and that's and that's another mark that I think goes into their favor is that you're enjoying it the entire time. Um, yeah, whenever that song comes on, it's like, okay, I'm gonna break the speed limit yeah. for a little bit, <laughs> right? Oh, hopefully, there's right. no cops on this stretch <laughs> yeah. of highway. Yeah, yep. Like, well, I'm driving with my knees because the Ro- <laughs> the Rockweiler is a perfect song. It demands your full performance attention. Like, you can't you can't just sit there and like be in a confined space listening to that. Uh, but that's, I mean, it's fantastic.
2: That's, that's something that makes a great song though, because you like, you're right. It's not really going anywhere, but it just gives you that feeling, you know, it gets you going basically. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, and, it, and we've
2: lost that in hip hop, I think.
1: Oh, totally. I mean, you, you, well, you've got the two man game there that you don't really right. necessarily see a lot of the back and forth. The back and forth is so good and nobody does it. Nobody does it. And then, um, if we're, if we're speaking about back and forth teams, you gotta talk about Jadakiss and Styles, especially in, True. in, in, in yes. we, and we and they don't go back and forth and we gonna make it. Um no they do actually. They do go back and forth and we yeah. gonna make it. I mean the man's walls lift up. His bathtub does a 360. <laughs> 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 I mean, like we gonna make it is incredible. Just the way it like at some point in my life, I am rapidly approaching forty. Um I, I need a t-shirt that says, fuck the frail shit. And I'm just going <laughs> to wear it. Maybe even like church and be like, no, 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 no. Because God came up with fuck the frail shit. Because no one yeah. else is coming up with that because it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you, you really miss that a lot. And then, oh, we my could, God, I just thought of another one since we're just rapid fire. Tretch from Naughty by Nature. Oh, my God. He's, uh-huh. I, we, my wife and a friend of ours, back in July, June or July, we saw the mixtape tour with um New Kids on the Block, Debbie Gibson, but also Salt and Peppa and Naughty by Nature. Tretch came out with a very long, very racially insensitive Indian headdress, Native American headdress rather. <laughs> and but he's he was incredible. And he's again, once again conceptually, but he's he's rapping fast, but he's saying things. Like Tretch doesn't get the credit that he deserves no, as he far as like being in that early nineties yeah. um you know group that that came out and he had hits it wasn't just a one hit wonder they have at least 4 or 5 all across three albums like legitimate singles that made a big yeah. impact
0: at this in the same vein you would see uh like sticky fingers mhm in the same vein i would say andre oh yeah like andre should be on everybody's list but is not for some reason
1: because people i i'll tell you why because i think people are bitter that he hasn't done anything since. he wanted to become a ra- an actor and then his acting career kind of fizzled you know, out. You know something interesting
0: about that? Uh, you know the the first Black Star album w- or the Black Star album mm. was certified a huge classic, and people go up to Talib all the time and say, "Hey, when are y'all gonna do another one?" And he has a, the best response that I can think of for that, which is, "Oh, you like the Black Star album? Yeah." We already gave it to you. Go listen to it. (laughs) Yeah, you should have bought it. Like you should, you should have it. Go, go listen to it.
2: Um, Yeah, well, Jay Z said the same thing. You want old Jay Z? Listen to the old Jay Z. Yeah,
0: (laughs) oh shit, buy my old albums. So exactly, we've covered a ton of ground. This (laughs) is going to be a ridiculously long series, and also no ground. (laughs) Yeah, we've gone around in a full circle.
2: (laughs) Um, Well, it was a good. It was a good uh, intro to the combo, I think.
0: If this series is 150 parts, I would not be surprised. But the goal
1: here is to actually define a um, a goat. Here's a spoiler, everybody, and I'm not supposed to do this. The producer is waving me frantically. the 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 goat is positive K. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> I know. I spoil. I ruined the whole series. That's it. It's over. So. A, on that a lot of note. People are
2: like, who is that?
1: <laughs> they're Googling positive. That's the serial, right? Positive K? Yeah. <laughs> who who is that? I never heard of that. <laughs>
0: that's that's the homework assignment. Write a positive K yeah. lyric in the comments.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then we will uh we'll see you on the on the next episode. We're gonna be revisiting this a lot. Um they're going to be more than just us three discussing it, um the the entire end of a species crew is on notice that we're looking for a goat. I do not want there to be this, uh, there are seven goats in hip-hop. I, I'm, I'm I'm happy if we bring it down to two or three. Um, but this is going to be a discussion that's going to go on for a while. That's it for this episode. But we will see you on the next episode of End of a Species.